Good morning, church. Welcome. Come on in. Find a seat. And uh, actually, I say find a seat, but we do want you to stand with us. Let's, let's join together in celebration today.
is your name. You are worthy. There is no one like you. And we love you this morning. We turn our hearts towards you. We don't want the rocks to cry out this morning, Lord. We want our praise to be a sweet-smelling sacrifice in your presence, Lord. We give this to you. We, we are um, in awe of you today. We can't help but sing your praises. You may be seated as we continue singing.
chapter 4. This is a description of thrones that God has shown to all. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them, 24 elders, and they were dressed in white, had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumbling, and peals of thunder. Before the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center, around the throne, were four living creatures. And they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second, like an ox. The third had a face like a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. And each of the four living creatures had six wings. And it was covered with eyes all around, even under his wings. And day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things. And by your will they were created and have their being. They're before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will spread his tent over them. Never again will they hunger, never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat upon them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Amen. To the God we worship today. Please can you stand with me? Please stand. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain.
this morning, and we just shout hallelujah. As you can see, it looks a little different in here. Uh, we left some tables up from the women's tea yesterday, and we have a fundraiser for the team. So please, please, please stay after the service. Uh, join us for a Cinco de Mayo Italian fundraiser. We're going to have some spaghetti. Um, and then stay after for that as well because we have an awesome, you know, uh, a bunch of desserts to sell.
Disney mission trip is in peril of not happening. Um, this last fall and the winter, God made it very clear to me that I was not supposed to go on the Zoom mission trip this year, and I have done that for years and years, even before the church you frequent. And it is a life-changing experience. Some people come back from mission trips with a piece of jewelry or a trinket and three years ago, God brought me my baby girl. Who comes back from a mission trip with the youngest daughter? It is life-changing. And I'm not saying that if you volunteer to go, you need to come back with a child. That may not happen. <laughs> but if it does, you consider yourself so abundantly blessed. So Gumi. much bigger than when she first became my youngest. Um, Zumi is an amazing place that needs the love of Christ so desperately. The Zumi people need practical help, but even more than that, what we've seen in the years that we've been going there and serving there is that the people just need the presence of Christ. It is such a pagan place. Um, it seems scary at times. There is danger and violence, but for the most part, over the years now, the people have become very, very welcoming of our group because we have brought practical help because we serve them and minister them and to them in loving ways. The trip is going to be different this year. Shorter. We're talking four days. Much shorter, a Friday through a Monday. The weekend before the camp, which is July, I don't know. Somebody pull your phone out and look at your calendar. Okay, something, July 20-something. And we need a mom. It doesn't have to be a mom. We need a mom heart. We desperately need a mom heart to come over that four-day weekend. You don't have to think that you have to be the youth group pastor. You don't. Scott takes care of that. You don't have to coordinate events. You just need to be there to kind of kind of help corral the kids into cleaning up. We kind of make a schedule for cleaning up and taking care of themselves and cooking kind of being that mom figure, we desperately need someone. It will not happen if someone doesn't rise up and volunteer. I hope and pray that more than one person will. Please come and contact me, talk with me, or talk with Scott. I'll tell you more about it. It's not to be scary. I volunteer to help you all up until you go with the planning, with the preparation, with the meal planning. Um, but I'm begging you, someone, God is tickling something in your heart. Please come and join us. Let us know you're interested. Thanks. Amen. There's one last thing I'd like to mention, then we're going to dig into the word here. Um, this Saturday morning is our quarterly leadership training, and this Saturday morning we are going to be uh, digging into spiritual gifts. So if that's something that you've wanted to explore and understand about yourself, I would encourage you, strongly encourage you, urge you to plan on joining us this Saturday morning from 10 to about noon. And we are going to purpose towards helping you understand what the spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit has placed in you. Okay? That's this Saturday morning. Um, it would be helpful for us to know how many are intending to come. So here's what I want to do. Let's just 
Doug would have thrown my phone number up on the screen to grab that slide. And if you're intending to come, if you would just text me at this phone number that will show up. Yes, there it is. Uh, let, me, let me know that you're planning on coming or how many are coming with you. Um, th this will work for all ages, so if you've got some teenagers that like to explore that and understand that as well, we can't have too many people coming into a good understanding of what their spiritual giftings are. Um, so that's this Saturday morning, 10 a.m. Shoot me a text, let me know you're coming, and we'll make sure and have plenty of supplies for those that are planning on it. Thank you for doing that. So let me ask you a question. What if, um, what, what if you were given a wish? What would it be? You're given one wish. What would it be? It's, it's quite funny to me how my wishes have changed over the years. Um, I, I, we, I remember playing this game as a kid. I, I, it, maybe it's because of the story of Aladdin and his magic lamp or, you know, whatever it is. But, you know, as kids, we would, we would play this game and we would, we would dream about, you know, what if we had a wish or we had three wishes or whatever that number was. <clears throat> and, you know, I remember wishing that we lived at Disneyland, right? I mean, that was, hey, that was a significant wish. Um, I also remember wishing, this, I'm, I'm telling the truth, I, I also remember wishing that me and Michael Jackson were best friends. But as the uh, great theologian Garth Brooks said, we thank God for unanswered prayers sometimes. But it's funny how my, my wishes have changed over the years. Now my wishes look more like this. I, I wish ibuprofen weren't as important part of my life as it is now. Um, I, I, I wish that I could eat that supersized fry and not have the consequences that, that I would have now. Um, that's a, that's a, a fairly significant wish of mine. Um, I, I, and, um, or like this scenario happens, um, it'll be 8 o'clock at night and... And my family would be like, hey, let's, uh, let's start a movie. And I'm like, really? Because you know in about 10 minutes, I'm going to be out. I'm going to be out, out of sleep. I, I wish that I could stay up after 8.30 and watch a movie, but that's just not, that's not how I'm wired anymore. Last, last Sunday evening, for instance, uh, me and some of our uh, boys here in the church went to see Avengers, which didn't start to, what was it, 7.30? And I knew I was in trouble. I knew I was in trouble. I knew this was an uphill climb, even though it was Avengers, and I knew it was going to be loud and, and crazy active. We, we get into the movie theater, and we're like the first ones in the room. We could have any seat we wanted, and the boys go straight up to the front row. And I'm like, are you, are you kidding me, guys? They're like, yeah, because you can kick up your feet. I'm like, well, I'm toast. So... Here I am, I'm already sitting like this because the screen is like this, and then I can kick up my feet. It lasted about 15 minutes, and I was in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out. It's just, it's just how life is now. I, my, my wishes have changed. Well, this, this reality was King Solomon's reality. He, he basically was given a, a wish. 
Tell me, God said. Ask me whatever it is that you want, and I will grant it to you. What an amazing opportunity King Solomon was given in, in this prayer moment, in this, in this communion time with God. Now, let's back up a little bit. David has been serving as king. As we looked at last week, um, you know, there, there, there was tragedy inside of David's time as king. I mean, he messed up bad. He sinned badly. And but out, out, out of that, because of his repentant heart, because because he was a man after God's own heart is, is how he's described. There was there was redemption that came through that. He ends up taking Bathsheba as his wife, the, the woman that he had impregnated. And they lost a baby, as, as we saw last week. But then. He, in comforting her, she became pregnant again, and Solomon was born. And Scripture tells us that God had a deep love for Solomon. It says it right, right from his, right from his birth. So, so there was this, there was this close connection that that Solomon and God had. And even though Solomon wasn't the oldest son at this point because normal the normal circumstances would be firstborn son is going to take the throne when dad retires or when dad dies but it was god ordained that solomon would be the one to take the throne so david hands off the throne to solomon prior to his death he's ready to retire and he hands off the throne to solomon and there's a, a commissioning that happens there's there's a dialogue that happens in the early part of 1 Kings where David is, is dialoguing with, <coughs> with Solomon. And, and he says, now look, Solomon, you're, there's some things you're going to have to handle right off the bat as you step into the throne. But you are a, you are a wise man. So this, this thing is spoken over Solomon right off the bat. You're, you're, you're a wise man. You're going to be able to handle this. But... But then, right after that, Solomon has this prayer time with the Lord. He's offering sacrifice, and the Lord comes to him in a dream, actually, that, that right around that same time, that same night, and, and says to Solomon, I'll grant you whatever it is that your, your heart desires. Ask me one thing, I'll give it to you. <coughs> Man, when, when the sky is the limit like that, you, you could begin, you, your imagination can begin to run wild what you might ask for. But Solomon says, and this comes out of his wisdom that we've already discovered he has, says, you know what, my, my David, my dad David led, you had a, had a close relationship with you and, and, and led this nation in a godly way. I want to be able to do that as well. I, I, I want to be able to lead these people because the number of people that are here is far too great to even begin to count. I need your help with this. Would you grant me wisdom to be able to lead? He didn't ask for wealth. He didn't ask for fame. He didn't ask for his enemies to be wiped out. These, these would be normal things that a king an earthly king would press into, would desire. 
Instead, he asked for wisdom to, to be able to lead the way God wanted him to lead. God was so pleased with that request that not only did he grant Solomon wisdom beyond any that, uh, that were, were, was on the world, in the known world at that time, okay? Not only did he grant that upon Solomon, but then he gave all this other stuff added on to it as well. Great fame, great wealth. And we're going to, when we dig into the reading here, we're going to kind of begin to see what that was looking like. I want us to open up to 1 Kings chapter 4. 1 Kings chapter 4. And let's pick up the reading at verse 20. Immediately you're going to see a distinction between David's reign and Solomon's reign. Because one of the consequences of David's sin was that there was there was warfare and there was strife, even inside of the palace, inside of the home. But you're going to see a very distinct difference between what's happening in Solomon's reign versus David's reign. 1 Kings chapter 4, right at verse 20, it says this, The people of Judah and Israel were as numerous as the sand on the seashore. They ate, they drank, and they were happy. And Solomon ruled over all the kingdoms from the Euphrates River to the land of the Philistines as far as the border of Egypt. These countries brought tribute and were Solomon's subjects all his life. So it was peace. It was peace. Solomon's daily provisions were 30 cores of the finest flour and 60 cores of meal. Now, anybody measure with cores these days? No one's doing any measurement with that? So when you're reading scripture, you're going to find uh, old measures, old, old kinds of measures. So what you want to do is you look down at the bottom of your page, and it will show you what that looks like to us now. Okay? So those numbers are in... Uh, what, verse 22, so I look down at the bottom, and it says that is probably about 11 tons. 11 tons of finest flour or meal. Okay, lots and lots and lots. <coughs> he also was receiving 10 head of stall-fed cattle, 20 of pasture-fed cattle, and a hundred sheep and goats, as well as deer, gazelles, roebucks, and choice fowl. For he ruled over all the kingdoms west of the Euphrates River, from Tisha to Gaza, and had peace on all sides. They're in a time of peace. During Solomon's lifetime, Judah and Israel, from Dan to, Be to Beersheba, lived in safety Everyone under their own vine and under their own fig tree. <coughs> Solomon had 4,000 stalls for chariot horses. 12,000 horses. The district governors each in his month supplied provisions for King Solomon and all who came to the king's table they saw to it that nothing was lacking. They also brought to the proper place their quotas of barley and straw for the chariot horses and the other horses. Now pause here for a moment, because a couple of chapters ahead, the, the writer revisits Solomon's wealth and mentions, oh, and by the way, 25 tons of gold were brought in every year. 
25 tons of gold were brought in every year. Just begin to imagine the unbelievable prosperity, the unbelievable wealth, the display of splendor that is happening during the reign of Solomon. But the reading goes on. God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight and a breadth of understanding as measureless as the sand on the seashore. So now his wisdom is beginning to be equivalent to the, the, the massive amount of people that are living in Israel. That, that's how expansive his wisdom is. <coughs> Solomon's wisdom was greater than the wisdom of all the people of the east and greater than all the wisdom of Egypt. He was wiser than anyone else, including Ethan, the Ezraite. He was even wiser than He-Man. Now, when I think of He-Man, I don't think of wisdom, okay? I think of brawn. I think of strength. But there must have been a He-Man back then that was pretty wise. Must be talking about a different He-Man than what I'm thinking of. Calcol and Darda, the sons of Mahol, <coughs> his fame spread to all the surrounding nations. He spoke 3,000 proverbs, and his songs numbered 1,005. He spoke about plant life, from the cedar of Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of the walls. He spoke about animals and birds, reptiles and fish. From all nations, from all nations, people came to listen to Solomon's wisdom, sent by all the kings of the world who had heard of his great wisdom. He's granted one wish, and what he asked for is great wisdom, and this is not for himself but so that he can lead the way God wants him to lead. And in so doing, is given such great wisdom and knowledge and understanding that he's able to speak about all kinds of different topics. Apparently being able to bring all kinds of explanation about plants and animals and, and whatnot. So significant is his wisdom that the that as the fame reaches the outermost parts of the earth, they're they're trying to make their way to get into Solomon's presence so that they can just hear and glean from his understanding, glean from his knowledge. <coughs> this is phenomenal. And it's and it's phenomenal days for the kingdom of Israel. In fact, as I said last week, this, this would be, according to most, if not all Jews, even still alive today, this would be the pinnacle. This would be the pinnacle of, of, of life in Israel during these days. Now, of course, from our perspective, that's a shame because Messiah has come, and we understand what Jesus has done for us. So we would not look at this as the pinnacle. Certainly, we would look at, at Christ and who he is and what he did for us as a pinnacle. But Jews who have not accepted Jesus as Messiah yet, 
they would still point back to this time frame. So just just take in for a moment the splendor. Try to fathom 25 tons of gold being uh, being brought in and 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 what to do with all that. So he's he's making these all these amazing things straight up out of gold because there's so much coming in. What what is it that he else is he going to do with it? So then he sets it in his heart that he's going to finally build a temple to worship in. So up until this point, all of the worship is still happening in the tabernacle, the 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 temporary tent, dwelling place of the Ark of the Covenant. But no permanent place has been built yet, and it is during Solomon's reign that the temple is finally built. You can you can read into that over the next few chapters. And it's a glorious thing. And it's amazing to see all the materials that are that are being brought in from all over the place to build this magnificent magnificent spectacle, place of worship, Solomon's temple. The temple that now the Ark of the Covenant moves into. It's really interesting to me. Jesus refers to Solomon one time. Solomon, by the way, is in Jesus's genealogy. Look through Matthew chapter one and read through the genealogy of Jesus, and you'll find Solomon again. The the, the redemptive aspect that happens inside of this story. Jesus refers to Solomon, and you find that in Matthew chapter six. I just want to peek at it. We're inside of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is is really, uh, just just remember, when when you're reading through the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, Jesus is addressing the things of the law, the the system within which they're, they're functioning. And in the middle of that, he says this, Starting at uh, verse 25, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Do not worry about what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? I mean, look at the birds of the air. They, They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about how you are dressed? Look at the flowers of the field. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Oh, you of little faith. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans 
the non-believers run after all these things. And your heavenly Father already knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you or added unto you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I mean, what a, what a radical uh, idea that Jesus is bringing to those that are, that are listening, to, to his hearers, to those that, that, have, that have come to him to gain understanding. Because as Jesus is walking the earth, his understanding, his wisdom, his insight, especially into the Holy Scriptures that he is, Pouring out is amazing people. And he's breaking this, this thing down about worry and stress. And in the middle of that, he's like, if you would just look at one of these flowers, all of Solomon's splendor doesn't even come close to one of those. Now that is a dramatic distinctive picture because when I'm imagining 25 tons of gold yearly coming in and what could be done with that, my my imagination can begin to run very wild about how amazing that much splendor could be. And yet Jesus says, whoa, hold on a second. Check out this little flower here because it's far more magnificent than all of that you were bringing about. Yet it's not laboring and, and, and spinning and, and, and going crazy about trying to store away this and trying to store away that. In fact, God knows exactly what it needs and God is providing how much more valuable when I asked right at the beginning if you were given one wish what would that be the likelihood and I, I was telling a few jokes but the likelihood is if, if you're like me you're thinking something about money <laughs> I mean come on it probably it, we're, we, we probably lean in the direction of well man I could if I could wish for a million dollars or you know, whatever amount that, that comes to mind. Um, yeah, because I, I can start dreaming pretty big. And I'm starting to think about if sky was, was the limit. What if, what if we, what if we wanted to press into things like Solomon chose? I mean, what if we were to desire or long for wisdom. When you read through Proverbs, uh, even on into Ecclesiastes, uh, which, by the way, Solomon wrote all of those books and, and the Song of Solomon or the Song of Songs, that's all from the heart and mind of Solomon, okay? When you read through those things, wisdom, wisdom is highlighted throughout most of it. 
the importance of wisdom, the value of wisdom, the value of wanting to be more wise and and practice wisdom and and what that looks like. There's very practical things that that the wisdom literature, and that's, that's what we would title it, the wisdom literature bring to us. And I would, I would encourage us, church, to, to dig into that often. I mean, if you could just take in a couple of Proverbs every day, every morning, just allow yourself to soak in the Proverbs often. You're going to find practical tools, practical advice, practical wisdom for everyday stuff. into wisdom if if God might not apply the same kind of formula where all the stuff that we worry about and stress about he might just begin to start adding that in I mean if, if, if Jesus's words if he means what he says what he's telling us is we, we don't have to stress about these things. How much more valuable are we than flowers and birds? And do we really believe that God is our provider? Do we live that way? Do we work that way? Do our lives reflect that seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and, and all these things will be added unto you? Are we seeking him first in all things? With your eyes closed and our hearts just kind of in a place of listening, I want to encourage you. I'm just going to go into silence here for about a minute. I just, I just want to invite you to, to seek the Lord right from where you are. It's a new place in life. Seek his face right now. Acknowledge that it's it's pretty easy in, in an environment like this, in a setting like this, to to seek after you. The the whole morning is designed to do that very thing. But we want to we want it to be happening in our lives, not 
only on Sundays but throughout the week. We, we make a choice today to press into your wisdom, your insight, your understanding. We want to glean from you. You are the all-knowing God, the creator and sustainer of all things. You, you breathed out the universe. It, it came from your mouth. With that awesomeness, or even it, it might even say in spite of that awesomeness, you you reach down to us humans and long to pour your knowledge into us. We we acknowledge that the stresses of the world are real. The stresses of paying the bills, the stresses of putting the braces on the teeth of our kids and, and making sure they have the books they need and and the, and, and the food is on the table and 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 that retirement is in place and I mean who the, the list is so long of all the things that just the daily and the weekly and the monthly and the yearly can can bring our way the stresses that come with that and you've reminded us today that when we are empowered with wisdom, um, we are pressing into wanting to have better understanding of who you are, how and who we are, how you made us, how we are to relate with one another, all that kind of stuff. That you're in the habit of adding all these other things to us as well. You take care of the birds of the air. You take care of the flowers of the field. How much more valuable? Are we? Of course, when we apply wisdom to our finances, it's just a good thing to do. And when we apply wisdom to our workplace and in our relationships and how we manage our money, how we manage uh, our our possessions, how, how how we handle all that stuff, we you've called us to be good stewards. So we don't chuck out wisdom when it comes to our finances recklessly because you take care of the birds and the flowers. But you're speaking to the worry and the anxiety and the stress that tends to overrun us because of these things. Fundamentally, we trust should the economy in our country collapse? Should Social Security come undone? Should the United States government fall someday? Who knows what tomorrow holds? We could, we could stress about these things. We could anguish over these things. We could become fully uh, uh, overcome with anxiety on, on all these kinds of things. In the end, or in spite of it all, you are our God. And we are your people called by your name. How much more valuable are we? 
and the birds that are cared for and the flowers that get all the water and sun they need. And we trust you implicitly. We choose to trust you implicitly. And if we're struggling in that area, I'm asking, Holy Spirit, that you would encourage us, move us in that direction. Show us the things that we're clinging to that we don't need to be clinging to. Help us to let go of what we need to let go of and and cling to you. Amen. May it be so. Will you stand with me? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to say a blessing over us, and then I'm also going to say a blessing over the food. Everyone here is invited to to stay and eat a spaghetti dinner and uh, hang out for the dessert option. There's amazing desserts over there. And um, so everyone here is invited. Now, obviously, we don't have enough tables set out yet, but we will bring more tables out. So please, if you were planning on going out to eat lunch, hey, man, divert that money um, to our youth fund and stay and eat and hang out and have some fun with us, okay? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you, be gracious to you, and fill you with his peace. And may he bless our food and our fellowship. In Jesus' name, amen.